found us on Coffee Talk Networks for Last. I'm Ruth. And I'm Mike. We are going to be talking about Marriage Story, a film on Netflix. I will be talking about that since Mike hasn't seen it. And then we're just going to have a long spell where Mike talks about his trip to France. Au Paris. Yeah. So I guess I'm just going to jump in. And thank you for being patient, waiting for us to um, actually have our little moment again, because we did not get to record when Mike went over to France. We had a hiatus, but I would point out too that we're doing a morning segment this This time. Coffee time. Very unusual for us. Yes, very unusual. We'll just see. Are we more alert? I don't know. I haven't had a single cocktail all day. (laughs) (laughs) Nor have I. (laughs) Anyway, Marriage Story is a Netflix movie that was in theaters. It stars Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson and is directed by Noah Baumbach, who is currently, I believe, married to Greta Gerwig, who is also a director and an actress. Okay, I know Scarlett Johansson. Okay. That's the only (laughs) name I know. But that's because I'm not very knowledgeable of the recent film world. It's on Netflix. You could watch it if you wanted to. But I still wouldn't know who this... Well, I wouldn't know who the actors were. Yeah, that's true. Then I would... Learn four new people. But I'm going to recommend that you not watch it. Oh, because okay. It wasn't something that I that I loved. Oh, that's interesting. I know. I was Usually so you talk looking about forward stuff to that it you, that you were blown away by. And I was really primed to love you were this ready movie. to love it. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I'd heard so many reviews and read so many really outstanding reviews. And okay. I, I'm still kind of shaking my head, thinking, now why didn't I love this? But I, I will say, I am very pro ScarJo. Yeah. I loved her in JoJo Rabbit, and I've just been a fan of hers for forever. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen her in the Marvel movies, but I'm right. a fan of her straight dramatic work. Yeah. Did but, she do the one about with Bill Murray in Tokyo? Yes, that yeah, was her. That was great. Lost in Lost Translation. In translation. Yeah, yeah, she was great in that. I love Adam Driver. I have loved Adam Driver since he was said had his first scene on Girls with Leah Dunham. He's just such an amazing present actor, and I bet you know him or know his work. He's he's had small parts in a lot of things. Okay. He also did something that I'm not a fan of. Mm. The only thing he's done before this that I wasn't a fan of. He plays somebody in the Star Wars movies. I believe he is Han Solo and and Leia's son, and he's probably a Improved in his performance, mm-hmm. but I didn't really respond to him in the first episode that I saw, and I haven't seen any subsequent ones. Right. He's just an amazing actor. He's like a Brando. He's just mm-hmm. that fresh and unique. Right. This is a story, basically, it was sold as a feature film that went to Netflix, but in reality, it's a TV movie, mm-hmm. and it's about a divorce. Mm-hmm. And it's about the divorce industry, meaning the lawyers who weaponize everything that they can about the opposing party. Right. And it is, I think, stale territory, even with the performances, which Scarlett Johansson impressed me more than Adam Driver did. Although Mm -hmm. Adam Driver's part is great, but I was just waiting for this to be the performance of his career. Mm -hmm. And it's a very solid performance, Mm -hmm. but I felt it was nothing really beyond that. Right. Nothing what I would, but what I would come to expect from him. Right. There are a lot of stereotypes. There's a lot of Los Angeles versus New York. You know, Los Angeles sort of people keep saying, well, there's so much space. It's all about the space. And fuck it. I just am tired of arguments about what's better, Los Angeles or New York. It, you right. know, New York is more artistic. Los Angeles is more commercial. Right. It's such an old saw. Yeah. 
They also have a child in this who I felt was overly dominant, that he really sort of dictated what the parents did. Although he was adorable, I wasn't able to embrace him because when he told one of the parents what to do, parents did it. That seems to me not the way to raise a child. Yeah, I would just say I was disappointed in this. Uh, A little backstory on Noah Baumbach, the director. He was married to Jennifer Jason Leigh. He did The Mm -hmm. Squid and the Whale. Yeah, I remember his name now. I think we saw something by him one night a ways back. It might have been Squid and the Whale. It might have been Squid and the Whale. Um, That was about his parents' divorce. Marriage story is about his own divorce. Okay. In reality, he was married to Jennifer Jason Lee. They had a very small child. She was the, is the child of Hollywood royalty. And my understanding is that he became besotted with Greta Gerwig and left Jennifer Jason Lee for her. So I'm much less sympathetic to his side of the story than to her side of the story, Mm -hmm. especially if she had a very small child. Mm -hmm. And that was his way of exiting the relationship. That's the background on this. The squid and the whale was based on his experience, and this was based on his own experience. I would just recommend that he get on with it and not do any more divorce stories and just do other other drama move on on. yeah it's time time to move on noah (laughs) i do like his other work so it's not like i'm i mean i was just so anticipating this being a great piece of drama right right and it was to me not but your mileage may vary and yeah you may and it got good reviews got great reviews it got outstanding reviews Anyway, now we're going on to Mike's trip to Paris. I'm just back from Paris. Oh, my God. I had a great time. I'm so glad. I I wasn't anticipating anything, really. I just wanted to go. I I used to go to France fairly frequently. Well, with an old boyfriend, but before that. I thought you lived there for a while. In the 80s and 90s, I lived in New York, and I've always been a Francophile, and I went to Paris Fairly often, like every, at least every two or three years, and sometimes more frequently. But you stayed for significant... There was one time I'd gone to Middlebury College to try to learn better French. And so the summer after I did Middlebury, I wanted to go off to France to practice my French. And that's what I did. I went and I stayed there for several months until my money ran out. And even after my money ran out, I was able to get work at this law firm because they were a New York-based law firm, and I worked for them in New York. And I called and them. Did you work on like nights and weekends? Which I the worked French nights and weekends do. because the French are way too smart to do that. Whereas Americans will work, you know, graveyard shifts and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I got work there. And, I, and how long was your visa for? It wasn't too long, and you could only do three months, but you could go oh. out of the country and come back in. Like I went, I think I went to Germany and then came back into France, oh. but I was able to stay quite a long time. So, yeah, so I've always loved France. And then in the last five years or so, I've tried to talk myself out of that I loved France. I've kind of told myself, well, I had some pent-up resentments about the guy I used to go there with, and I kind of mushed together my feelings about that relationship and my feelings about Paris and my feelings about France and French. But I woke up, and I said, I've got to go back. Yeah. It's my... I've loved it since I was a kid. I know. So I made... And you speak the language. And I... Yeah, I try. And I love speaking it as, at least to the point that I can do it. Love that. So it took a little pushing. But you know what helped me? I now visit this website called slickdeals.net. And slickdeals.net is an open site where if you find a bargain on something that you want to buy, you can share it on slickdeals.net, and everybody gets to know about it. So it updates constantly, 
and you see things that are on sale. They also post great airfares when they come up. And I was at work one day and an alert came through on my email that said, oh, cheap flight to Paris. So indeed, there was a cheap flight to Paris and I this was in July. It was like $400. It was $450 and a round trip from LA to Paris. So I just booked it almost as an impulse thing because once I paid for the ticket, then I was committed. There was a catch. <laughs> that was the reason this Helsinki. one reason this ticket was so cheap was that I bought a, an American Airlines round trip ticket. And I thought that's great American because I could probably check a bag, it'll all be good. After I bought the ticket and read the fine print, well, it was booked through American and that's who I paid, but the flight out to Paris was actually on thin air. Not only was it on thin air, but there was a stop in Helsinki, Finland. Not just a stop. Not only was there a stop, but it was really more like a stay because it was, but they said it on there. They did say, I knew this before I hit the buy button. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Um, but but it, it was last minute as I was about to. And I had to weigh it out. I thought, do I want to stay 14 hours in the Finland airport? Well, no, but this fare is so good. And the flight back, by the way, was nonstop Paris to LAX on Air Tahiti Nui. So that part was going to be yeah, fine. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I learned that because the flight was so cheap, one of the other caveats was you can't check a bag unless you pay 60 bucks a bag. So if I had checked my bag ways. both ways, it'd be 120 bucks, and that would have ruined Almost, my cheap fare. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be yeah. paying retail practically. Nobody checks bags anymore. They don't. I didn't know. See, I don't travel as much as I used to. So you can pack quite a bit in a carry-on bag. Um, but I did learn on the way back, you have to watch out because even though it's taking up less space, it still weighs a lot. And if oh. you get charged for weight... You're in trouble. Did they weigh your carry-on? Going out, they did not. But coming back, they did weigh it. And I was allowed 10 kilos for my carry-on, plus an additional five, I think, or three for my hand item. But coming back, they did make us weigh them at the Charles de Gaulle airport. And I was over. And he wanted me to check my bag because I was at like... 17 kilos and I was supposed to be at like at 13 oh. total but the guy for some reason I think it's because of my French but I don't know maybe it's because I was in such a good mood from this trip the guy gave me a pass he said I'm just gonna let you go you're supposed wow. to you he says to check that bag would cost you 85 euros that's almost a hundred dollars wow uh, the great news is I'm going back there's just no question I'm going back, and I'm going back in a year or less. And, and I'm, I'm going with you. And you're going with me, and I'm going. I'm going to make it a deal until, unless I get sick of it or find a new passion. I'm going to go every year because it's so easy to go. So I don't know. I could take three hours and tell you all about this trip, but I'll, I'll, I'll just skip to the end to this one fun experience. Um, I hooked up with an old friend named Martine that I've known. I met her in New York through another French friend named Philippe back in the 80s. Um, and I haven't been in touch with her in a couple of decades. But we got together and we had a great lunch and we walked around the city. And then she said, you know, on Sunday night, I'm going to, I go weekly to this Cuban salsa ballroom dance class. And for your first time in the class, it's free. So if you want to come with me, you can come and it won't cost you a penny. I wasn't going to do it because I just thought it's just too much. 
it's, I, I just don't know that I can handle it. And it was my, the night before I was coming home. H handle it in as far as the dance steps? Uh, well, no, I didn't know if I wanted all that activity the night before I was coming home. I thought I, I might want to be more kind of meditative and be in the apartment and just right. calmly packing my bags and not pushing it. But I decided to go. And it was so much like when I first went to Oil Can Harry's 10 or 15 years ago and was in a circle learning the line dancing. They literally taught you a line dance. And then you broke into couples in two circles, an inner circle and outer circle. And you would, they would teach you these steps. There was, a, there was an instructor and he would teach you these steps. When you practice the steps, the steps were designed in such a way that you would move on to the next partner every 15 to 30 seconds or, or so. So you were always circulating okay. and always trying to step out with like a new partner. Like the dance at the gym. Yes, like the dance at the gym. It was ballroom dancing. It was, it was ballroom style. And it was these steps where it was definitely salsa. I mean, definitely ballroom, partner dancing. And they were teaching these steps. And it was a lot to take in. But I was, I was holding my own for a while, and I, I stayed in the class in the circle about half an hour, and I didn't even know how long the class was supposed to go. But I got to this weird saturation point because we learned three or four or five different steps, and then he would call them out. And my French has gotten pretty good, but he was naming these steps with words I didn't know. Oh. And so when he would call out the step, I wouldn't be sure which one it was. So I was very confused. And everybody else seemed to be knowing what they were doing. Everybody was super nice. Nobody gave me a hard time because I was stumbling. They were all super supportive and super sweet. And <laughs> you'd go through the circle and then you'd, you'd have the same person you had, you know, five minutes earlier right. or 10 minutes earlier. And I'm like apologizing to everybody <laughs> for how lousy I'm doing. But it was fun until it wasn't. And I got to this point where it hit me. I thought, this isn't fun anymore. It feels like torture. I need to get out of the circle. But I wasn't, I was afraid to leave the circle because I would have to leave one of the partners partnerless. Right. And I didn't want to abandon somebody. But at one point, I just had to say, I'm sorry. And I excused myself and I went off the floor to the side. And it was fine. And I was so glad I did it because in an earlier period in my life, I would have just stayed doing it and been miserable. Yeah. But it sounds like you got oversaturated. I got life. saturated and I recognized it. That yeah. was the that was the beauty. You of had it. a boundary moment. I had a boundary moment, and Martine came over and she was so sweet and she she felt bad for me and she was trying to encourage me and I said, Martine, don't get this wrong. I'm happy. I had a good time. I just reached a point where I could not do it anymore. Yeah. But I'm not focusing on what I couldn't do. I'm focusing on how well I did do. And we stayed and the class ended uh, in another 15 minutes or so. And then a friend of hers who was there with us and she and I went off. It, the class is in the basement of this restaurant and there's a bar down there as well. So after you're done, you can go over and sit at a table and have drinks. So we did that. And I sat with her and her friend Patrice and we had the best conversation best conversation. Patrice is a delight and he's straight, but I sort of fell in love with him on a sort of a personal level. I just, and I was so excited because he wasn't my type physically, but he was so cute and so fun to speak with. And we got to talking and we were just debating whether to order another round of drinks when we were having mojitos. Oh. And I said, well, I, and he was going to give us a ride home. So we had to be careful about him drinking too much. Right. And he says, I'm fine. I can handle another. Can you? And I said, well, I can. I said, I have addictions, 
but alcohol is not one of them. And he goes, well, what, and this is all in French. And he goes, well, what, what addictions do you have? And I said, well, fundamentally, I'm addicted to negative thoughts. And he goes, well, that's really funny because I'm addicted to positive thoughts. And we had this conversation about addiction to thought patterns. And he told me his personal story about having been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer five years earlier and being given a six-month window to live and how he survived it. And he's sort of this walking Amazing. miracle. But, yeah. but what really warmed my heart was that it was the first time since my uh, breakup I went through three and a half years ago that I had a feeling of warmth toward another person that wasn't based on their physicality, although I did find them adorable. Yeah. It was the quality of the interaction which was joyful. And I thought, you know, I don't know if I'll be single the rest of my life. And if I am, I'm pretty much okay with that. But I feel like I've crossed a little bridge to where I, I have a new standard of what kind of quality yeah. of interacting I would like to have with a person well, if I became serious about them. You you didn't, you broke through your type. Yes. It went beyond a physical thing and yeah. it went to the feeling. I got to recognize what I felt like with that person. That That's was so brand cool. new. That's that was brand so new. Great. And he gave us this ride home. I think I have photos of one of the dance lessons that he, he texted to me. So I'll have to find those and put them on my Facebook. I, you know, I, like I said, I could, t I could talk to you for probably two or three hours total on this whole arc of this trip. But I went over there just to be in Paris. And I set it up so that I would have things to do. So I'm, I, ahead yeah. of time, I bought a ticket yeah. to the Da Vinci exhibit at the Louvre. I bought a ticket to the Paris Opera at the Bastille Opera House. I bought a ticket to the Comédie Française for a Molière play, and I bought a ticket ahead of time for a play at Le Bouffes du Nord, which is this avant-garde theater that I lo love over there. So I had structured time, and I was prepared to do that. Right. I was prepared to be alone, but I didn't count on getting together with Martine necessarily, and I certainly didn't count on having a night out like that. Those things just happened, but they happened in such an unexpected and easy way and they just added to the quality of the trip oh and here's the really important point too i've always loved paris but i've always gone and when i'm there i've always had this mindset of i want to try to fit in i want to try to be perceived as a local i need to feel like i'm one of them and this city is so beautiful and i don't think i consciously thought i don't measure up but i always had this feeling like I'm in this beautiful place and it's a little intimidating. I think I was intimidated by Paris, but I loved it at the same time, which is a little bit how some of my romantic, romantic relationships <laughs> have been. I'm like intimidated by what I perceive I as their physical yeah. superiority, yeah. but I'm also fascinated and happy to be in their presence. But this time I was there and I was just as aware as I've been in the past of the beauty of the city and the architecture and the layout and the vibe in the streets and all of that. But I didn't feel like an unworthy visitor. I felt like a visitor for sure, but a worthy visitor. It was the most interesting thing. I, I, but I still had all my appreciation of how gorgeous it is. And that was unexpected too. And I, that was one of the reasons I'd put off going to Paris was I thought, I just don't think I measure up to that city anymore. Oh. I don't think I'm hot enough, stylish enough, hip enough, all of that stuff. And the truth is, you don't have to be anything to go there. You just go because you want to go. Right. And right. you enjoy it because yeah. it's enjoyable. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with your worth, positive or negative. So I'm growing. 
I'm a boomer in my mid-60s is, and I'm growing up. That is real growth. Yeah, it I'm really growing is. Up. I was a little worried because the only text that I got from you mm. said that you were having... I was. That was midway. I was midway through and I was having a little bit of uh, isolation anxiety. Yeah. But that must not have lasted much longer than... The first two days, two and a half days. Yeah. Did you feel like you were just going to be alone there the whole time? Well, I had expected to be alone and, and I didn't expect it to bother me. But I learned in my last trip to Las Vegas that I'm not as comfortable with solo travel as I used to be. Okay. And that I'm capable of getting lonely. But I think that's a, I think that's a plus. Because it means that I'm actually experiencing a need yeah. to connect with others. Yeah, I think that's right. And this trip turned out to be a lot about connection. Connection is my thing. It's my healing process. So I've learned that self-esteem is just a byproduct of self-care and connection with others. Yeah. You yeah. can't build your self-esteem in isolation. No, you can't. You can't go home and read a book on it and no. feel better. No. And when you connect, it's not that it suddenly raises your self-esteem, my experience. It doesn't raise my self-esteem. It makes self-esteem a non-issue because the connection is what I needed and did not recognize because I'm a herd animal. You <laughs> are a herd I'm a animal. herd animal. You didn't used to be, though. I mean, I, I always was, but I didn't honor that part of my makeup. Well, when we had talked about loneliness before, it was something that you didn't have the same experience that I did. At least what I understood you to say was that you tended to not crave that kind of social experience. The way, although you have a lot of social experience I in your do, life. I do, I do. But I've, historically, I've tended to find a sense of safety in isolation. Yes. But yeah. I didn't realize that that came at a cost. Yes. And now I see better that some isolation or solitude is good because it allows me to recharge and regroup. But anything over that is detrimental. But the good news is we don't have to work. I don't believe anymore that we have to do, go through this laborious process of finding our self-worth and becoming uh, people with good self-esteem. I think we have to focus on, am I connecting with others? And if I'm not, what can I do to connect with yes. others? And I don't, it takes the self-esteem issue off the table. So it's not about, it's not about positive self-regard anymore. It's about connecting. And when you're connecting, the self-esteem thing, it, it just fades. Well, it's like that idea of happiness. Yeah. That happiness is something that we seek. Right. That is findable. Right. That is quantifiable. Right, right. But in reality, I think it's happiness is a, is a, a myth. capitalistic concept well, maybe but, self-esteem too yes but kind of I think a product that, that the, the the pop psychology movement put out there it's this thing that we're supposed to have yes it's a, something that is not something that we're supposed to have but we're supposed to seek it if we don't have it that's it or develop it or yes. manufacture it in some way exactly and if we don't have it it's a detriment it's a it's, a, it's just like alcoholism. The old model was, if you're an alcoholic, it's because that's a moral failing on your part. Yes. So it's almost the same with the self-esteem movement. Right. It's like, well, if I don't have high self-esteem, I must be doing something wrong. Well, oh, there must be something wrong with me. With me, that's right. But it's not about finding the right book, which I always thought it was about the right book would oh. teach me the right tools and the right practices to take care of this. Uh, it's, it's a paradox because in a sense, there are tools and practices for taking care of self-esteem, but they're not about ratcheting up your self-esteem in some kind of laborious way. They're counterintuitive. They're about tending to your feeling of connection with others. Uh -huh. At least that's what I'm experiencing. Well, now. I think this is a fantastic experience yeah. that you had. Yeah, it was awesome. 
It sounds like a great trip. Yep. I can't wait to go back with you. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Next time. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's going to do it for us, Boomers. Thank you so much, and um, thanks for sticking with us through Mike's adventures in my absence in in Paris. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. Bye bye. Au revoir. Au revoir.